I'm Carol Joy Side, and welcome to the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. You're listening to episode 91. This is a podcast to help you homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. Well, this morning I'm sitting with my dear friend and prayer partner, Ann Storms, and we are about to share um, a personal story that we wanted our listeners to be aware of. Anne is the very happily married wife of Dr. Sam Storms, the theologian and author and pastor. And Anne and I have been prayer partners for about 20 some years. We started in preschool and, uh, <laughs> and we're just so happy to be together. So welcome, Miss Annie. It's so good to be here with you. So Anne and I are on a little vacation together, a um, little prayer retreat. And we're just, as we've been talking and praying and spending time together, we just felt that it was time to share um, my personal story, not all of it. You don't need to know all the gory details of my life, but just um, just a part regarding covenant. And so I had written something, and I'm going to read it, and then Ann and I are going to just kind of process and discuss um, what, I read, what I wrote. So um, here we go. It's called The Keeping of a Covenant. On a late February afternoon in 2020, my husband died. My granddaughter and I planted an apple tree in his memory, And that evening, I finally took my wedding ring off. It had been a long, hard journey. Over 40 years before that, I had married the love of my life. And through it all, he remained that for me. My brother-in-law stated in his eulogy that my husband was a Renaissance man. Brilliant, hysterically funny, dynamic, a man you would follow off of a cliff without questioning, an artist, musician, athlete, and craftsman. There was nothing he couldn't do with his hands, rebuild a house or a car engine or whip up an unbelievable gourmet meal. Did I mention that he was six foot five and drop dead handsome? I never tired of his company. He never met a stranger, as his mother said, and he could tell a story like no one else. But there was a dark side to all these gifts and talents. He had a lifelong battle with depression that he overcompensated for with manic episodes of overspending, self-medicating, and overworking. Nothing was done by halves. As his father said, he worked when he should be playing and he played when he should be working. Highly dysfunctional and yet irresistible. After years of separation with several miraculous periods of reuniting, he finally divorced me shortly before his death. I believed what I said on our wedding day, that I was bound to him until death. I never gave up hope for his wandering heart to return to the fold of God. My constant prayer over all those years was that he not die unshriven. That is an old medieval word. It referred to the custom of being baptized at your death. Because people in the Middle Ages believed that any sin committed after baptism would not be forgiven, they waited until they were at death's door 
to receive the sacrament. But if the priest did not arrive on time, or they died a violent death on a battlefield, they believed that their salvation would be lost. Now, of course, we don't understand salvation that way today, and that was not what I meant by that prayer. I merely prayed that my husband would die in a state of repentance, not rebellion. Our son was present at his deathbed, and walking in forgiveness all these years toward his father, he was praying and reading scripture over him that described heaven in the book of Revelation as well as the glorious ending of the book Pilgrim's Progress. Although no one can know what takes place in another man's heart at the hour of death, I have hope that I will meet that dear man someday on that beautiful shore. His shackles will be gone and he will be eternally free. So I read that to Anne this morning as we talked about doing this. And Annie, what were some of your thoughts? I think the first thing over the years when I've met with you and we've prayed and I've seen your just unwavering faith, as you said, you never gave up hope. And my question for you is I'm hearing this story again, and I bet some of your listeners are asking the same thing. What kept you? committed what kept you strong how did you keep on through all of the difficulty and the sorrow and the broken trust yeah um I think the word of God you know I just to whom much is given much is required and I had been taught the word of God as a new believer uh, indelibly in my mind I knew that the word said that God hated divorce I knew that a covenant, unlike a contract, could never be broken except through death. And so I just also, I really had hope that my husband was going to return to be the man that I'd married, the dynamic, on-fire Christian man who was in the Word. And we went to church four and five times a week in California. And the man who witnessed to everyone and picked up hobos on the street and brought them home to our house and gave things away, sometimes to the point where I would go, oh, you gave that away? Because he had such a gift of giving. I mean, I married a man that was the godliest man I could find. I turned down other marriage proposals waiting for God's best. And I really knew through the word that God had told me to marry my husband. And so I just never gave up hope on our destiny as a family and our ministry. So um, we don't in any way want to bring condemnation on so many friends and, and listeners have like me, been put in a marital situation they never asked for or wanted in terms of uh, abandonment, abuse, um, adultery, drug use, you know, all the different things that people are dealing with and living with. And I can't um, tell anyone else what to do. This is such a personal conviction. But for me, I just felt that the Lord said um, that as I promised at my wedding day, that for better or for worse, that I was committed to my husband until death. 
And that was just a core conviction that I had and I shared with my son, you know, through it all as well. Right, and I'm thinking of something that I've heard you say so many times, and I've quoted you probably even more, is um, when you have spoken about being in a very difficult, hurting place in your marriage. The best marriage you will ever have is the one you are in right now, that getting out of one bad marriage very often, well, you know you take all the baggage anyway, but you can end up in even more complications. Sorrow and disappointment that affects even more people than just you. And so I've just remembered that very, very often. If you stand with the Lord in this, that there is beauty that comes out of ashes. It may not look at all, as I'm sure you never expected for John to pass away without having repented, as you said. But you stood firm, and it's God who will bring those that beauty out of ashes. Yeah. And I know our son has thanked me for holding my covenant and not um, running off and divorcing my husband, even though, of course, everyone told me that I should and that I had grounds. But as I would say to people, just because you have grounds for divorce doesn't mean that you have to get divorced. You have an option, but what would be God's best? God's best is the healing of a marriage and how would God most be glorified? Mm-hmm. And that is, as you said, with the, the husband, or as the Bible says, the wife of your youth. Right. That's God's best. Mm-hmm. He's the father of your children. Mm-hmm. There'll never be anyone else that is the father of those children. Yeah. And then I know, I think a question for so many is, well, I can't stay in this. Mm-hmm. This is destroying That's all right. of us. Is there another option? And what I saw you walk out was a biblical separation with Christ still at the center between you and John. You were not in the same home. For years, you were not in the same town. But you stood strong to the covenant, but you took the safety net that protected you and JJ from further abuse and torment. But that doesn't mean you have to go all the way to the divorce line. That's right. So we were legally married all those years, and people said I was crazy, that I mm-hmm. was linked to him legally in every which way, but I just believed for me personally um, that I was committed to him and I would never dissolve my marriage. If he wanted to dissolve it, I couldn't stop him. The laws are so bizarre in our world today where you cannot prevent someone divorcing you. But I certainly was not going to begin that process with my husband. Right. Okay, so what about those who are listening today who have been divorced, who because of extenuating circumstances, they felt that God had given them, I hate to say, an opportunity. Mm Yeah. Yeah. But biblical grounds. Biblical grounds, yes, to go ahead and divorce, and they have done that, and they have either remarried Mm -hmm. or not. Mm -hmm. How do they walk this out without feeling condemned? Yeah, great question, Anne. And we have so many people in our lives that are in that position. Um, I can only say we each have to walk in the light we've been given, but there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. And so um, even if you've disobeyed the Lord, sin is sin. All sin is under God's blood. 
And it isn't that we willfully disobey and just flagrantly say, oh, he'll, he'll forgive me, he'll forgive me. We don't ever want to put God to the foolish test. But there is a place of saying, Lord, it's scrambled eggs. I can't get them back in the shell. How can I go forward and live my life to your glory? And, and you may have to be honest with your family, with your children, and say, you know, Mommy disobeyed God and in this particular situation, or Daddy did, but you know what? God still loves us. We are still under his forgiveness. There is no unpardonable sin except rejecting the death and atoning blood of Christ. And so um, no one has has done something that will separate them from God as long as they're willing to repent and own it and say uh, that was sin but I sin every day Anne and and sin isn't graded God doesn't grade on a curve Mm -hmm. sin is sin and it all when I gossip about my next door neighbor that's that's sin it's all sin and so we just need the forgiveness of Christ and we start from that day and we pick up and our mat and go home. We walk, uh, walking in the light we've been given. But we don't continue to go back, you know, to the pig farm, right. <laughs> right? Right. Right. And I'm kind of thinking too for those who are listening today and going, "Oh, I had no idea." This really encourages me. You mean there's somebody who's walked through this and stood strong? And I do remember a phrase that you talked to about standers. Yes. Can you share on that? That really gave me a picture of what you were doing. Yeah, that's so good. So when my dear husband first left us and abandoned us, um, I started attending a church, and I knew what the Lord was saying to me about standing for my husband. And um, But I started working with this pastor and his wife, and they told me about a ministry called Standers. And it was for people who were standing for their covenant, where one member of the marriage was standing for the marriage, even if the other member had violated or abandoned it or broken the covenant. And so I started going to a prayer group that met, I think it was Monday nights, and there was an older lady there, and she was standing for her marriage for many years. And there were healed marriages during that time. Unbelievable stories. Mm-hmm. And we would just pray for each other's spouse. And the rule was you never said anything negative about your spouse. Mm-hmm. And you didn't talk about this outside. You didn't go around look, making yourself a victim. But you protected your spouse's reputation. And um, with the hope that someday they were coming home. And you didn't want them to have to live down all the things that you invented to make yourself feel better and to make yourself look better, but that you were to keep it close to your chest and talk to God about it, not other people. So, yeah. That's huge. The hours and hours that I have heard you, seen you, been with you, praying, talking to the Lord about it instead of everyone else. I have seen you literally on your knees in my living room asking God to bring John to repentance to his heart and for restoration. And you weren't blabbing dirty stories for years. I didn't know very many of the details. I still don't, actually. And um, That's good. Yes, it is. It <laughs> because is. what's the point? You know, the Bible says it's good to not even talk about the things that are done in darkness. Right. You know, we're all so snoopy in the world in which we live. And how does that glorify God, right. you know? Well, and I'm thinking... 
today, as somebody's listening, as soon as we sat down and you started the introduction, I immediately thought of one of my favorite verses in Psalm 90. It's number 12, teaches to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And I feel like that's what I've seen you walk out, that you have been numbering, counting, surrendering every single day to the Lord that you would gain his heart of wisdom and how to bring honor to his name, glory to to him through all the years of your marriage, even though it certainly did not look as most people would want a marriage to look. Yeah. You know, um, that's such a good point. There are such worse things than being single. Way worse things. And as a pastor's wife, you hear them every day, don't you, Anne? Right. So, yeah. So I guess the thing is, like in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul talks about if you really want to serve the Lord, it's easier if you're unmarried. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, that's what I read when I met the Lord in reading that Bible in a meditation center as an unbeliever. Mm -hmm. Those were the verses that I read that day. And it's really been true. And it's, I think the principle that Pastor Chuck taught us out in California was seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added. Don't seek marriage. Don't seek Mr. Wonderful coming by on a white horse. Seek first Jesus and his kingdom and put the rest on the altar and say, Lord, if it's your will that I be single, I'm willing to be single. If it's your will that I be married, I'm going to be married. How can I best serve you? When you read all the missionary books that I read all the time, all these missionaries were single, most of them. Rosalind Goforth was married. But most of the women that I love and esteem were single because a single person, as Paul said, doesn't have to worry about how to make their husband happy. Mm -hmm. They can only worry about what makes God happy, and it really sets you free. Mm -hmm. And so this idea that you have to go from one marriage immediately to the next, and that's going to solve your problems and remove your burdens, Sometimes it's just easier to be married to the Lord. Amen to that. <laughs> so um, I, I've told my son, because he has longed for me to have that wonderful relationship that he and his wife have, and, and that you know his dad and I had in the early years of our marriage. And he's longed for that. And I, so when my dear husband died, I said to him, okay, I'm ready to be remarried. And he's like, really? <laughs> because he would love that for me and I am I am open to that absolutely but I'm also every day I say to the Lord but I'm so my life is so full in you Lord you're enough mm-hmm. makes me cry I, know. I can <laughs> see your tears now <laughs> yeah so anything else we want to say okay you want to pray for these sweet folks that are listening to us absolutely okay Lord Jesus, I lift up every single person listening, whether they are married, whether they are single, whether they are hopeful for restored marriages. I pray through the power of the Holy Spirit that you will enable them to walk out what is in their heart that you have placed, that they would remain committed to you first and foremost. I ask Holy Spirit that you will bring wisdom and counsel and guidance to those who are struggling and trying to figure out the next step. 
And Jesus, I thank you. You say not only do you bring us peace, but Jesus, he is our peace. So I pray, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that you would invade the hearts of every single person, wherever they are on the spectrum of this conversation, as they have heard Carol share some painful details of her private life that most people do not know. But now on the other side of it, it is bringing glory to you as she stood hopeful in her marriage, fervent in prayer, and committed to what you told her to do, Lord, surrendering her heart to you first and you alone. And I thank you that you are even now beginning to drop gracelets into the, the spirits of those who are listening. And you are saying, come to me and I will give you the rest that you are seeking. You will not find it out in the world. Come to me and I will show you the way. I will teach you to number your days aright and you will gain a heart of biblical wisdom for the journey ahead. In Jesus' precious name I pray, mm. he will not fail. Amen. Amen. I love you, Annie. Love you. Hmm. Thank you for joining us. If you liked what you heard in this episode, I'd appreciate a rating and a review on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help too. Visit my website, caroljoyside.com, to subscribe to our weekly email and receive exclusive discounts in my online store where seminars and interviews are available. Be sure to tune in next week for my next episode where I help you homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. Blessings. <laughs>